God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And then to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are going, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let's stand. So I've got some news for you. The days are speeding by. Um, I know that this is true because um, yesterday, in my mind, it was still summer, so I went to Home Depot to buy some mulch for a little planting area that my wife is working on. And I get to Home Depot, and the first thing I run into is Christmas decorations. I kid you not, they're, they're there. Uh, so the times must be, the days must be speeding by. I'm sure it was just a couple of months ago that we didn't have church because we were all snowed into our houses in a storm that just kept coming and coming. The days are speeding by, but that's not so big a deal. I mean, um, there'll be more. But the thing that, that gets my attention is that the years are also speeding by. And uh, some of you are more aware of that than others. I certainly am very highly aware of the fact that the years are speeding by because in 2020, I'm going to find out what it's like to have completed 50 years of ministry in the gospel and 75 years of uh, walking around on the face of the earth. Um, a lot of years somehow sped by. And you know, when, they, when you get to those points where you look back on, on your life and see what has sped by, you know, you often look back, and I've done this even in the last week, sort of reflecting on, on my life and finding so many occasions to rejoice in what God has done in my life and in the lives of the people I love. But I don't think you can do that without also looking back and having regrets, decisions you'd wish you'd made differently, plans that didn't turn out the way that you had hoped. Um, uh, and you can get stuck there. In fact, if you, look, if you look backwards too long, you know what happens? You get a stiff neck. 
And you know what the Bible says about that, so don't go there. Um, so I've chosen personally to look forward as I come to these milestones in my life because I'd like to be, as long as I can stand uh, or be pushed around in a wheelchair, I'd like to be part of something that's meaningful, something that's significant that lasts. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to get to the end of your life and know that you were part of something that was, that was um, significant? Um, well, that thing, of course, for us, we know is the gospel and its ministry and its proclamation and living in obedience to Christ. So if you want to be part of something important, something lasting in the gospel, then, then I was struck and that's where the sermon came from. I was struck with what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 1, where he says, um, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Um, in a world that's speeding past us, I was intrigued at the thought that there might be a gospel that was actually speeding ahead. And um, is that something, can you visualize that? Can you visualize that the message of Christ would be speeding past you, that it would be going somewhere, accomplishing something? We're going to come back to that idea in just a few minutes, but I wanted to try to get into that idea the same way that Paul does, and that's by starting off by talking about prayer. Finally, brothers, pray for us. And I like that he starts there because, you know, I would like to have my life be speeding ahead, but some days it seems like all I can manage to do is pray. Um, so think about that. Paul says pray. He says it to the Thessalonians, but he also says it uh, by implication to all of those who follow in the steps of the Thessalonians, following in the gospel. He says that the, he's kind of wrapping up his thoughts and says, you know, now, now the, the last thing, you know, here we're, we're just about wrapping this thing up, and then the first word he says is pray. Uh, so you kind of get the idea that this is important. And I kind of roughly looked around in Paul's letters, and I think nine times he tells people they should pray. Um, you kind of get the sense that this might be important. Uh, we didn't read it, but in 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. That's a pretty famous verse, isn't it? And then in verse 25 of chapter 5 of, the, of that one, uh, he says again, pray for us. So um, you get the idea that this is important. And I like, personally, I like that thought. I like being encouraged to that. Because praying is the quickest and the most direct way that you and I can connect with a gospel that's speeding ahead. Um, but when we talk about praying, two th one of two things usually happens, at least in, in my experience. One is uh, we're overcome with guilt. Oh, I'm such a rotten prayer, I forget to pray. And I tell people, you know, I'm praying for you and then I forget and I'm so ashamed. Or, or other times where we think about praying, we're so full of pride. You know, I'm a prayer warrior, and I'm better than all those other poor people who don't, you know, can't mumble a prayer word in public. So, so guilt or pride. Paul's not going there. Paul's not, he's going a completely different direction. That's between you and God, that guilt and pride thing. But, but Paul is using this, um, what he's trying to, he's trying to stir up prayer but he does it with this, in this lovely personal application, saying, pray for me. 
You know, um, it might be one thing to pray for starving children in some part of the world, but when a needy friend of yours uh, is in distress and says, would you, would you by my bedside pray with me? Doesn't that get you? Doesn't that make you say, yeah, I want to do that? Don't you see someone who's struggling with the gospel uh, in your life? You've had those conversations we've been talking about in, uh, in our discipleship hour. Um, it's right there. It's fresh. Um, pray for me. Pray for the people close by. Um, you know, your prayers do say something about you. Um, how big, how big would you say is the circle of, of your prayer? You know, your, your smallest, this, this is kind of striking to me, you know, your smallest problems, your smallest concerns are important to God. He takes note of them. He's not too busy for whatever it is that troubles you, no matter how young or how old you are. Um, so that raises the question then, so um, are God's greatest purposes, the great things, the great issues of eternity and life, are those things uh, important to you? Um, your prayers will tell you. So, so here's Paul, and he says, pray for me, and you might say, well, he's got a pretty small focus, you know, he's kind of self-centered, but the way that he speaks is so great because you realize that, you know, Paul and his ministry are important and he needs prayer, but he's got a big picture. So he says, pray for me so that something happens. He says, pray for me so that uh, the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. And he says, and another reason why you can pray for me, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. So, you see, those are pretty big issues. He's praying for the message, the word of the Lord to go out. Um, but he also prays for the messenger. He wants the messenger to be prayed for because the word goes out via messengers. So let's take those two things apart a little bit uh, and think about each one. Um, may the gospel speed ahead. May the word of the Lord speed ahead. You know, when I read that, I had to chuckle. I wonder if any of you others, any others of you are chuckling. Because when I read that, you know what came to my mind? It's um, between some inning in a Mariners baseball game and up on the big jumbo screen, whatever, there, there's a hydroplane race. You know, are you with me? You know, and there's a red and a green and a blue or whatever, hydroplanes, and they're racing around the track. And you're supposed to pick, you know, who's... Which one are you going to cheer for? And now the red one's ahead, and then the blue one is ahead, and then the red one's ahead again. And then just as you see the, the finish line coming up, the one that was lagging behind, he speeds ahead and crosses the finish line first, and everybody goes crazy. So that's my picture of speeding ahead. Now, um, that's a, that's a, I found that kind of a funny expression to read, speed ahead, in the, new, in the English Standard Bible. Because when I drug out my rusty Greek and looked at it, the word that that is translated in that phrase, speed ahead, is simply the word for run. And I mean, that's a pretty common word. So why would they use what is almost, you know, it's kind of hip um, expression when they could have just 
use the word, may the, the word of the Lord run. Um, and the reason, and you know, because these are conservative, these are like the most conservative, stodgy Bible translators around. This is not some goofy paraphrase they came up with. Um, why would they pick that? Why would they do that? Well, the reason is because the word run to us has completely different connotation than it did to Paul's first uh, hearers. Um, for us, we did, was a lot of running going on in our world, right? Your computer is running, your clock is running, your refrigerator is running, uh, the train is running on time, at least if you're in Japan. Um, uh, and, and the only time we take any real attention to the things that are running is when they stop running, right? You know, my computer doesn't work, the clock has got the wrong time. Um, when things don't run, they get our attention, but the running part, you know, that's, we just take that for granted. But in the ancient world, there wasn't a whole lot of running going on. Running basically was something that took place in a foot race. Uh, and, and think of, of running in a foot race. These people were not, um, they were not fitness you know, um, gurus or fitness experts or, you know, really hyped up on fitness and they got to get out there and, and get their, their running in. This, this was a race and the purpose of the race, you were supposed to win. That was the goal. And if you won the race, you would be honored. You would get a crown of, of uh, olive branches around your head. And honor was very important in that culture. Uh, it wasn't enough to say, you know, yeah, I did the 5K, I, I, I walked it, but I, you know, I finished it. The, the idea was to finish first. And that's the picture of the, that, that what, what Paul is, is praying for is that the gospel would win, that it would rush forth, it would accomplish its goal, accomplish its work, um, because that's what the gospel is here for, to transform uh, the world uh, by the grace of God. So, um, can that happen? Can the gospel speed ahead? Can God's word to needy sinners uh, speed? Um, well, think, think a little bit of history. Um, Pentecost, okay, Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's left his disciples who are, who are praying uh, and waiting to see what's going to happen next. Nothing seems to be going on uh, until uh, the Holy Spirit comes and energizes the preaching of the word at Pentecost, and 3,000 people are added to the church. I would call that speeding ahead. You know, if every one of you this next year um, managed to bring one person under the influence of the gospel um, uh, to become part of our community, you know, we would go from a church of 100 to a church of 200, and I don't know where we would put them all. You know, we, that would be pretty. Now imagine that every one of you brought 30 people uh, to church. Uh, now you've got a 3,000-member church, and you'd say something, something has really sped ahead in this way. 
But it's not a matter of numbers. It's because, remember, Paul, who was a person who to the core of his being was set against the gospel, was determined to wipe it out and to wipe out the, the followers of the gospel. That speeding gospel, it was like getting hit by a freight train. Um, it knocks him to the ground, uh, and he's totally transformed. Um, the gospel goes wide, but it also goes deep. The gospel can speed into your heart. You may be parked on a siding somewhere, but the gospel can speed into, your, into just your life and transforming it. Now, that's history, and that's, you know, that's what we see the, the God can do. But, but what about these Thessalonians are being asked to pray uh, for the gospel to speed ahead? Is that kind of like, you know, pray for your missionaries? We have the missionary comes, and he stands up here, and he gives his little talk, and everybody says they'll pray, and they take a prayer card. But, you know, refrigerators are a good place for prayer cards, but that, sometimes that's the end of it. Paul says, you know, I, I want to give you a picture. He says, I want to give you the picture of what it looks like for the gospel to speed ahead. Because you've actually seen it with your own eyes. You've seen the gospel speed ahead. He says, I want it to speed ahead. I want it to run and get the honor of, being, of, of, of accomplishing its goal just as happened among you. The gospel was speeding among you. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, you stop and you think, well, uh, is that true? Well, ask yourself, is the gospel speeding ahead at Ascension Presbyterian Church? Is it speeding ahead in your life or in your family's life? Well, the Thessalonians could say, um, if they stopped and look, boy, the gospel really came to us at full speed ahead. And that's why I wanted to have us read 1 Thessalonians because in chapter 1, because Paul narrates what it looks like when the gospel speeds ahead. So if you look at verse 5 of chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians, he says, our gospel came to you not only in word, but it truly came in word. Paul was preaching the word, but it also came in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction, you see that, that um, this is not a debating society. This is not uh, just uh, some, you know, there's some ideas or a lot of ideas floating around in the ancient world, and here's another one, but it came with, with transforming power. It was speeding ahead in their lives, uh, and it wasn't just something that, you know, was a flash in the pan. You know, we, we had this this guy came to town and was preaching, and everybody got hyped up and excited about it, but you know, there's death and taxes, and babies need to be fed, and diapers changed, and it all kind of, you know, goes away. Um, verse 6, he says, you know, the, ch the change that the gospel brings really was powerful in your life. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. When you imitate something, you copy it. That pattern is there. And this doesn't mean, you know, they were kind of being robots trying to, you know, do what Paul did uh, and affect his speech. This is simply the fact that what was happening, they ended up looking like Christians, not just any old Christian. They began up looking like committed Christians uh, following that particular example. And then he goes on to say, you know, that, that there's, think about three ways that your lives were powerfully changed by this speeding gospel. He says, um, in, in verse 9, you turned to God from idols. You you know, you'd, you'd had a life um, that, that maybe it had physical idols in it, but it certainly had the things in it that served your purposes. Uh, 
you know, that made your life work. Uh, that's what idols are supposed to do. They're supposed to help us get ahead, help us to speed ahead. But you turn from all of that, you turn from all the things that you had known uh, and had made your life work, and you turned to God. You turn to the God uh, of the Old Testament. You turn to the God of the Jews. You turn to the God of heaven and earth. Um, you turned to Him. You turn to the God that Paul proclaimed. Um, that's a powerful thing to see a life turned around. Um, and, and you didn't just turn and, you know, like I, I crossed the aisle, I went from being a Democrat to being a Republican or the other way around. Um, you served. Um, the living and the true God, which means that you've got skin in the game, that you spent yourself, that, that um, you were not a spectator, you were right down in there. Whatever it was that was going on, you were, you were in it. You were in it um, with, with the gospel. You were in it with the people who follow him. Uh, and then he says, and lastly, you chose to wait for his son from heaven. Jesus is coming again, uh, and every eye will see him, uh, and every knee will bow before him. Uh, hadn't happened when Paul wrote this letter. Hadn't happened yet. But when you wait for something, you know what you do? You give up relying on quick fixes. How often, you know, you know if you wait long enough, that really great car is going to come up um, that you can buy, but you haven't got time to wait, so you buy a clunker. You know, you, you think, oh, you know, you took a quick fix. You know, I could make myself a really nice dinner with all the food groups and, you know, and be really healthy, or I can go to 7-Eleven and get a couple of bean burritos, uh, the quick fix. Uh, now, translate that, though, into the idea that, that when Jesus comes, that every wrong will be righted, that uh, everyone will be glorified, everyone will come into being what they were created to be. And so you're not trying to find your meaning uh, and your purpose in, in something that you can hash-dash together and, and put a, slap a label on it and call it Christian. It's, it's um, we're going we're gonna to wait prayerfully, uh, obediently, faithfully, waiting and looking forward to the one change that the world is waiting for. Um, that's a lot of powerful, that's a, pow a lot of powerful running of the gospel when that happened. When you think about, about these things, when you think about things that you've seen in your own life, does that make you want to pray? Does that stir you up to realize that God, God is at work? Do you know someone around you who really you've seen them be transformed? Doesn't that encourage you? Sometimes in counseling when I've had someone uh, meet with me for a long period of time and I've seen how the gospel has taken root in their life, when we get to that, that time and we have to say goodbye, counseling was begin so that it can end, and I often have found myself saying, I think I love Jesus more now because I've seen how he has worked in your life. Can you think of the person who causes you to love Jesus more? Reason to pray. The second thing that he prays for is uh, in verse 2, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Um, you know, the gospel's strong, but there are enemies. And sometimes it seems like the enemies are winning. And the fact is that if evil is going to slow down or stop the gospel, 
it's going to have to slow down or stop Paul. Uh, so it makes sense because Paul's the messenger. So it makes sense that because of his passion to see the gospel speed ahead, that he'd pray that those obstacles who are after him and therefore after the gospel would be, would be turned away. You know, it, doesn't it amaze It amazes me that, that how, can, how can the message that offers life to anyone, that offers forgiveness of sins, no matter what a person's life has been, that, that offers new life and hope, that it can generate such hostility. Um, how, how, how can that be? Um, but it is, it's true. And so if the gospel is the message of your life, you can pretty well know that evil is gonna mess with your life in some way. And so what Paul is praying for is something you can ask, you can pray for yourself and we can pray for one another in that. Um, it's important. Now, you know, I'm really, I got really excited on that idea of the gospel speeding ahead and I had to thinking, you know, so what can I, how can I get on that train? Uh, that's really great. But, but then we come to this part about evil messing with you. And you know, I, I start having second coward. And, uh, and I don't want to hurt, and I don't want to suffer. I was first born, and uh, I'm a big uh, self-centered first child. So, you know, I'm going to need, if I'm going to run with the gospel in the face of opposition persecution, I'm going to need a really big shove. <laughs> Any of you need a really big shove to, to actually not just talk about it, but actually uh, be involved in serving? Well... Got good news for you. Um, Paul tells you what the shove is. God has got a shove for you and for me, and that's in, in uh, verse 3. He says, you know, we need to, I need you to pray for me because not everybody is on this gospel train. Not everybody is getting a hold of this, which is kind of a euphemistic way of saying yeah, there's a lot of enemies. But it's a great turn of phrase, you know, not all have the faith. But God is faithful. Do you hear that? God is faithful. We're called upon to be faithful, but, you know, how often do we fail? But God is the one who is faithful. And, and that's the shove that you need. And when you think of God being faithful, you, you know, you might say, boy, that's a, that's a pretty big category. That can be kind of vague. It's, you know, the attributes of God, his characteristics, those are, are huge, and I can't quite get around it. But I love what Paul does here because he says, you know, th this, is, this is like, God's faithfulness is rock solid on the ground down to earth. His faithfulness works right where you and I live. And so he says he's faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Uh, he will establish you. This word establish is related to the word for a, a pillar or a column. And you kind of see that pillar, that column is, is fixed there. Some of those Greek and Roman columns have, have been standing for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years. Um, he's saying, you know, God is going to give you some backbone. God is going to help you stand up in the face of opposition. He's going to do something inside of you. He will establish you. You can be weak in yourself. You know you are. But he's going to establish you to the point where you can be part of what it, his work. But um, so if, you're if you feel like you're tottering around, um, ask God, pray to him for strength, for establishing you. He will do it. He's faithful. 
But then, on the other, then there's the outside problem. The inside, I need to be established. The outside, there's people who don't like the gospel, who would trip me up. Um, the evil one, especially, um, God will take care of that. You don't, you don't have to sweat yourself all that much about what the evil one is up to. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He will, um, he will guard you. He will protect you. I want to wrap this up and ask you just to think about this. Look at the verbs. Uh, look at the action verbs. Um, uh, God is establishing. God is, is guarding. The gospel is running. Do you, do you get the idea that, you know, what this is about, that God's doing all the work, that, that, that this is, the gospel is about what God is accomplishing. And sometimes we make it around, you know, you need to get busy. But the gospel is not seven habits of highly effective people. The gospel points to what, what God does. And so there's encouragement for you. Uh, this is not telling you to work harder, to run faster, to be out of breath, to neglect responsibilities. It's not a call uh, to work harder, but it is a call to respond. But this running gospel calls you to respond because the running gospel runs through you and it runs through me. Flip back there to 1 Thessalonians 1. Look at verse 8. Um, Paul says of these Thessalonian believers, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you um, in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. The word of the Lord sounded forth. That's the message. That's the gospel. And I love this expression, sounded forth. It's the, it goes along with the speeding ahead because it, it, it can describe the roar of the sea. You know, you can't ignore that. Um, Friday night, there was a lightning strike just 100 yards from our house. You could not ignore that. Uh, the, the gospel that these, that these Thessalonians embraced the message went out um, all over the country. This is, this is a pretty big uh, area in, in, ancient, in uh, the ancient world. But it was not just the message that went out. He says um, th that your faith went forth. Um, oh, yeah, he says the, the word sounded forth, but your faith in God has gone forth too. You know what he's saying is that people if they were in Philippi or if they were in Berea or if they were in Athens, they not only heard about the message, they heard those people up in Thessalonica are believing this. This is what they're embracing. They're, they're giving up their whole way of life to, to uh, serve this man who died on a cross and they say in, in Judea and that they say rose again from the dead. They're, they're, they're connected. The gospel goes forth um, and people hear that, that actual living human, breathing human beings actually are believing this. They're actually giving their life to it. The gospel's running, but it runs through you. You who embrace it also are, are carrying that, uh, that gospel. So what this means is that, that, um, that the gospel can work through you right where you are. Um, when you get up in the morning, 
How long, if you set your stopwatch, how long would you go before you met somebody who needed Jesus? Might not be all that long. Um, the gospel is running through you. Um, you don't need to go to Africa to see the gospel at work. Um, the gospel works right where you are. It works with you, but it's not a magic cloud. It's not like this cloud came over and you know I prayed for rain and it rained and people around me became believers. Um, it's always a human interface. It's always people are the ones who are embracing this gospel. Uh, and that's important because you're asking other human beings to embrace it as well. Um, and sometimes you don't know how it's gonna turn out. You know, Paul got beat up really bad more than once. Um, and some of you may have been beaten up over the gospel. And some of you may say, you, may, you wanna say, say with Sam Gamgee, you know, what sort, of, what sort of a tale have we fallen into here? You know, I don't quite understand the story. The important thing is that God knows what the story is. God has it under control. Um, so, so here's a plug. Um, in the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, some of you know this by Rosaria Butterfield, um, and there's great stuff in there, but in this book, one thing that I wanna encourage you toward this book is that she paints a powerful picture of what can happen when a Christian neighbor acts neighborly. Not when a Christian neighbor acts Christianly, that goes without saying, but what happens when a Christian neighbor acts neighborly? Um, if the gospel is running in your home, uh, I think of, you know, not a train, but maybe like sap in a tree, you know, um, it's fluid, it's lively. Um, you know, just if, if, if that's what's going on in your home, if the gospel's running there, let, let people, let your neighbors into your house, let them into your life, um, and, and let the, I won't say sap, but let's say the honey of the love of God in Christ um, uh, that transform you, just, just let that be around them. You know, let them see what, what it looks like in a person who's turned from idols uh, to God to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son. Um, you know, the gospel may run, it may speed ahead right in your living room. So um, this is my look forward for the next year. I'd like to see 2020 be the year in which um, we put to work in our family the things that Rosaria Butterfield talks about in her book. Um, the Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's a book I loved. It's a book I've hated. But mostly it's a book that I've been humbled by. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in my life and in your life uh, as the Gospel runs among us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we know that um, our hearts are, have been just as hard as the next person's, and the fact that we're gathered here uh, today is not because we're smarter or more holy than anyone else. It's simply because the gospel sped ahead into our lives, into our families, uh, into our personal life, into our church's life. And so we praise you and we bow before you and we thank you uh, that the message of new life in Christ um, runs, uh, uh, is not imperiled, it's not impoverished, uh, it's not uh, weakened in this world. And so we, we pray that we might see its power at work in our circles, 
starting in our own lives, uh, in our families, in our children's lives, in our parents' lives, in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of coworkers. Um, how amazing that the mighty God uh, sends a mighty message into the biggest of messes, into the weakest of places, and brings about mighty transformation. God, grant us days uh, to see that. Uh, grant us your spirit to experience it uh, and help us to run uh, along with the gospel for our joy and for your glory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When God's people gather together, they give him praise and they back up their praise by giving him of the things that God has given to them. So at this point in our worship, we do worship God as we bring our tithes and offerings to him. Um, ushers will wait upon you for that. Thank you. <laughs> 